I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Well, welcome to Face to Face, and today it is a beautiful sunny day uh, in Toronto. I'm here at the University of Toronto, the Health Sciences Building, with a very, very special guest. And believe it or not, we've pulled this interview together in under 24 hours. Uh, Dr. Uh, Izildin Abulesh, uh, who is the author of the incredible book, I Shall Not Hate. Um, thank you for joining me today. I, I'm kind of stunned that I'm actually thank in your office. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And uh, as you said, the 24 hours, it's long <laughs> because... Nothing is impossible in life. If there is a will, there is a way. And we need to try and not to underestimate ourselves or our efforts. We can't say no till we try. And you tried, and we have to be responsive to each other, respectful. And the most important challenge in everyone's life is to take individual responsibility. Yes. Yeah, I, I've studied philosophy for years, and I don't know if you know the French philosopher Emmanuel Levinas, but he one of the great quotes from him is, we are uh, all responsible, and I more than the rest. So in other words, he's shining the light back on himself, saying, hey, I'm... And that's right. Don't blame others. Start by yourself, then others will follow. And you clearly have uh, such a tragic, incredible uh, story uh, on so many levels. Um, talking about forgiveness and about action and about your academic work and about your your uh, your work in health sciences and with ch- children and mothers. Um, you talk a lot about um, freedom and you say that freedom is essential and crucial to becoming fully human. Uh, this was a quote, I believe, out of your book, I Shall Not Hate, which, by the way, everyone on my podcast needs to read as soon as possible. Uh, what what kind of freedom are you talking about? Are you talking about just being able to do whatever you want, or are you talking more about uh, some sort of inward relational kind of freedom? Freedom, we all were born free. And the freedom, freedom of sickness, 
freedom of speech, freedom of need, freedom of from poverty, from prejudice, freedom from darkness and ignorance, freedom from fear that we have, the human freedom, the, the freedom that connects all of us together because I am not free as long as you are not. Mm. Because we need to see the freedom in a comprehensive. So freedom for others then for you is, is utterly essential. This isn't just about freedom of... Others are, I am not free as long as others are not. And it's time for all of us to speak louder about the freedom of all. Because the unit of a structure of the human being is the cell. If one cell is suffering, is not free, the whole body will complain. And the unit structure of the community is the individual. If one individual is not free, the whole community is not free. And the same for health. Freedom is about justice, about health, about equality, about respect, about understanding. It's not about a freedom to do whatever I want. Is, do, you think, do you think in a way, and I don't, want, I, I don't believe this is academic at all, but do you think most of us in the West or globally need to almost um, redefine what freedom means? Because typically, wouldn't people think, oh, well, yeah, I'm free, but they certainly aren't considering people in you know, the Central African Republic or the Sudan or Gaza necessarily. It's in the news, so they read about it but they're not concerned necessarily about somebody else's freedom. So I'm wondering if we need to start talking about it in a new way. We need to look around. Mm -hmm. We need to ask. We need to learn about our world because this world which is endemic with injustice, with violence, with hatred, with disease, with poverty, so when we start to look around it, what world do we want for us and others? I see this world as if we are living and riding one boat. Hmm. And we must not allow anyone to do any harm to it and to protect it, to reach this shore safely. That's what is needed. That's the freedom we need to talk about. That's the human connections we want all to speak louder about it. And violence crosses barriers as hatred, which is contagious. Some people, they think they are far from risk. I say maybe we are far from risk or violence by distance, but we see it on the screen. We engage in it. So we need to proact and to prevent as disease crosses barriers, violence crosses mm. barriers. How See, do we react when there is an epidemic of any disease? All of the world stands up sure, sure. to stop it, to contain it. So we need to work together at the same time to prevent violence because this is our world. We need to keep it a human and just a human and a free world. You say that um, hatred is contagious. Is uh, for you is love and forgiveness contagious as well? Hatred is contagious in a way that it's a result of exposure. When someone is exposed 
to harm, whatever this harm, physical, mental, psychological, pathological, torture, intimidation, humiliation, it leads to this hatred, to provoke hatred. As violence, violence happens when we violate someone's dignity and humanity. What do we expect someone who is stabbed in his humanity? Is he going to accept it? No. They react to that. So hatred and violence as disease, they are a result or a consequence of exposure. Love, when we have that love and the spreading and create an environment where love prevails, then the context and the result will be a good human one. So we need to teach the people about it, but it's not about a word. You need to practice it, you need to live it, mm. and to be a strong advocate of it. What do you say to the person who goes, well, you know, I love my family, I provide for them and I treat them well, and, you know, occasionally I provide and treat my neighbors well, too, but I just don't really have time for people in Cambodia, Rwanda, Gaza, Sudan, Central African Republic, etc. It's good to do locally. Ham Hamilton, Ontario. I, I don't it's, have time to go to the food it's, bank. It's, it's good to do that. Yes. For your family, for your neighbors, for your friends. But even to speak louder about others, to send a message, to talk, nothing, as I said, is impossible. Our abilities are unlimited and we can give everywhere. My son, just when got, I, when, I just got a shiver. When I go to do something or to buy, he says to me, you know, if you buy something, $2, it can save four children in Africa to feed them. Mm -hmm. We need to think in that. Our children, they think of it. Right. So we need to learn from our children and to connect. It doesn't need from me to spend a lot of time in thinking of that. You can just write a letter to talk. We spend a lot of time. We... We waste a lot of time and energy. So we need to invest our time, our energy, our resources for the human, for the good cause. And for that, we will be rewarded. By what are we missing these days? It's the happiness. Hmm. We enjoy what do we have. But happiness, you see it when you are rewarded by others. It's given to you. It's a return to what are you doing. The more you give, the more you will be rewarded with happiness. So how does a man uh, like yourself, uh, I've got so many questions for you, uh, Dr. Abulish, who's gone through so much tragedy, uh, have the, the strength and the desire, and you're smiling while we're chatting. <laughs> you know, I read your story about losing your family and your daughters and so on in, in, in Gaza with a, with a, by one Israeli rocket and yet you're coming out, the, the message of your book is, we need to forgive, it needs to start somewhere, this is madness, now what? Why? 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 Yeah. I mean, I when tell you, so yeah. many others aren't. Yes, we need to learn from that. And that's why the message of the book, it's not about the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, it's about the world situation. It carries one message, a human universal message, a message of hope and responsibility. Mm. When we speak about forgiveness, we need to forgive ourselves from any damage, from any harm. 
and not to allow any harm to happen to us. Hatred is destructive. It's self-destructive disease to the one who carries it. So if we want to move forward, and we need to move forward, and not to look backwards, but to learn the lessons from what happened, not to keep stagnant and stranded there with what happened. As Einstein said, life is like riding a bicycle. To keep balanced, we must keep moving. Mm. I kept moving faster, stronger, more determined. And what helped me that, through that is to forgive myself from this hatred, to be healthy, to be strong, physically, mentally, spiritually. And what helped me through that, number one, is my faith. Faith is very helpful, and I encourage the people to have faith, whatever is your faith. Faith provides energy and support. Number two is my life experience. My life was a war. I was fighting to survive. It immunized me to move forward, to challenge, and to take responsibility, not to waste my time through blaming and to blame others. Number three is my profession as a medical doctor. If I lost a patient who dies, I don't keep there. Mm. I move to the second patient who is waiting for me to save his or her life. But I learn the lessons why the first patient died. And that's what is needed. That's life. Life is what we make it. Always has been, always will be. It's in our hands. We can shape our life the way we want. And when we all come together, we can make our life, our world, the one we want for us and others. So you remain incredibly hopeful. So your faith, your history, and your, your work as a doctor are, are the three things. So you've got these, almost these um, uh, boxes of meaning that are surrounding you. You must also have uh, quite a community that, that supports you, or do you find that you're out on an island most of the time? No, the support from the community, the people hopeful, hopeful. The world is hopeful one. As I said, we, not, we need to look. Every day I receive messages from people. Mm. I see the hope in my children. I see the hope in the student who comes to the university. I see the hope in the one who is doing something in you, in the doctors who are working every day. You are coming today for the hope to take this interview to make a change. Absolutely. So life yeah. is about hope. As long as we are living, there is hope. I lose hope once the patient is dead. As long as the patient is alive, there is hope. I guess you could say the same about if as once as, long, as soon as I'm dead, there's no hope, or as soon as there's no so hope, as, I'm dead. So as as long as this world is moving and alive, there is hope in it. Right. As soon as there is a children in this world, as there are mothers, good people, which is full of good people, there is hope in this do world. You, do you think uh, forgiving others uh, f requires that other person to to show remorse, to act repentantly towards you, or can you actually? Um, shuck off a certain amount of anger and hatred and so on on your own? I encourage the people, yes, I encourage the people, number one, forgiveness. Forgiveness means to move forward. Mm -hmm. Do you want to move forward That's by good. yourself or to move forward with others? It's better and it's recommended to move forward with others. But if others are not willing to move with you, 
Keep moving. Don't anyway. wait. Right. Keep moving. Don't wait. Don't look on the sides because life is like a marathon. The one who is looking on the sides and backwards, others will pass him. Keep moving forward. So forgive yourself from any destructive ideas. But it would be good if others to join you while you are moving forward. And it's recommended that the perpetrator to ask for forgiveness. Once the perpetrator to ask for forgiveness, there is a moral responsibility, the victim to forgive right. the perpetrator. And there is a taste for the forgiveness. It has a meaning. Yes. Yeah. It comes from courage, from goodwill. And that's what do we need to encourage the perpetrators to have the responsibility to say, I made a mistake. Sorry, I apologize. Because if we come to ask a victim to forgive a perpetrator and the perpetrator is not thinking of it, I think it's a prejudice. It's injustice. Yes. Again, another injustice. Another, another injustice. So, but we need to go to the perpetrator. Please, be courageous, take responsibility, and ask for apology from the victim. And I am sure we need the victim at that moment to take responsibility too. Right. Because it's a mutual responsibility. Well, what I love what you say about forgiveness, it's, it's a moving forward, it's an action. Of course. You're not, you're not and it's, a, still. it's a mutual. Yes. It's a mutual action in both directions. Not from one direction, or from the victim to the perpetrator. I remember being in Rwanda in a reconciliation village uh, not far from the DRC border, and I was surrounded by folks uh, with uh, the organization I was working with at the time. And there was a man who had killed the husband of a woman to my right, and he was to my left. And there was an, an interpreter basically telling me what had happened, and this is what this whole village here is, David. This is a reconciliation village. We have perpetrators living with victims and so on. And I couldn't help but think that there must have been an awful lot of anger still, but I don't know. It seemed like this man and this woman were getting along, but I just I couldn't help but think there was still something else at play. Is there a tension between still being angry over what happened? Of course, they are not angry. There is a wound. Mm. There is pain there, but they are moving forward. At least they are not at the same point where it started. They started to move, and time is a good healer. They will start to learn to heal and to move forward beyond that. But you spoke about reconciliation. Reconciliation is about rehabilitation of the situation. But before that, you need the truth. Mm. And you see it in South Africa. Yes. Archbishop Desmond Tutu, he started it. Truth and reconciliation. Right. And you can't start reconciliation unless you stabilize the situation. Right. Not to keep the bleeding running and then you start reconciliation. It's, as I said, it's rehabilitation. So you stabilize the patient, you stabilize the situation, then you search for the truth, which is the right diagnosis, and to set up the right treatment. So are we now talking about the politics? Are we now talking about Israel and Gaza as well? Uh, stabilize the situation, however we can stabilize it. Let's get to the truth and then maybe, just maybe, we can start talking about forgiveness and reconciliation. Which is good, as you mentioned, 
between Israel. Israel is a state recognized by all of the international community. And this is one of the, I take it, misinformation or misunderstanding. We speak about Gaza Strip. Gaza is a city, it's not a state. We are talking about a Palestinian nation and the future Palestinian state, which will be established according to the international laws within the borders of 1967 in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. And this a truth about the conflict. The conflict, it has its root causes. It's not about Gaza, about parties. It's about a nation to a nation, an Israeli nation and a Palestinian nation. The Palestinian nation is occupied by the Israeli, not nation, the, the Israeli government or the IDF. So the Israeli nation, they are the stronger and the Palestinians are the weaker. The Israeli are the oppressor and the Palestinians are the oppressed. So it's the mutual responsibility, the occupied and the occupier. How can we put them to be equal? Right. And the oppressed and the oppressor. So if we want both of them to be free, to change the equation, the equation of from being occupier and occupied, oppressor and oppressed to be free and equal. So they can sit on the table and they can discuss it as a free people. But you can't and we can't talk one at upper level and the second at the lower level. When the patient and the doctor, they come to meet. The doctor can't say to the patient, sit on the ground, and I am talking to the patient while the patient on the ground. The patient comes to sit in front of me at the same level. Right. We are different. I am healthy, he is sick. I am stronger and he is weaker. But we need, but they are both free and they are equal. Right. Right. So we need to put an end to the occupation, which is behind all of what do we watch and do we see on the screen these days. Hmm. All of this violence, it's the result, as I mentioned, of what? Of occupation. Do, do you think, Dr. Abulish, that, that, that the occupation is leading to forms of extreme poverty which are also fueling this conflict. So Jeffrey Sachs says in The End of Poverty that why do we worry about poverty in other parts of the world? Well, because of terrorism is his answer. He said we need to deal with extreme poverty because of all these instabilities around the world, these inequities. So I've sometimes wondered, and this is a massive oversimplification for a white guy in the West to say Wow, I wonder how much about this is about lack of access, lack of opportunity, inability to to find a good job, and and all the sort of those things that you talked about right out at the yeah. the gate of the interview when I asked you about freedom. Yes, and that's what what I agree with you. Violence, as I said, 
when we violate someone's dignity and right. rights. Right, which is the patient sitting at the, the same minimum, level as the doctor. The minimum vital needs, right. the freedom, the food, yeah. the shelter, yeah. the water, the electricity, the education, the health, the access to everything, to run a normal, free, safe, secure life and the future. That's what is needed to yeah. provide, yeah. not to intimidate, not to exploit, not, not to humiliate others. And that's what is needed. The issue of access, equity, and equality is needed. And um, that's the focus. That's the main focus. Not to blame these people who are, we stigmatize them, brand them. They are violent. They are terrorists. That's right. Because I, as I said, if you go to any school, you teach at university, Humber College, Humber's College, Ask if you, there is a student who is not doing well in any exam. Don't blame him. I don't think there is any stupid student. Right. I don't believe in it. Ask why <laughs> you didn't do well. You can ask five times why. Maybe he didn't sleep. Ask why. Maybe his mother is sick. Mm -hmm. Maybe his father. Maybe he didn't eat. Maybe, maybe. Dig deeper to reach the root causes of the problems, provide him with the right needs, it's then good. he will be the best student. Reach the root causes. I mean, dig can't, deeper. Can't we say that about don't every treat, don't treat symptoms, treat diseases. Right. Because if you want just to focus on the symptom that he failed, what is the value? He didn't find out why he failed. And that's the doctor who treats symptoms. In medicine, we don't treat symptoms. We treat diseases. That's why we need to take the medical history. We do the examination. We do some investigation to have accurate diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Once we have the accurate diagnosis, it's the easiest step to set up the right treatment. Right, right. Um, I'm dying to ask you a question about something that you talk about in your book. You're brilliant. Again, I'm going to say it, book. I shall not hate. You say that, uh, I think the direct quote was that you talk about Palestinian mothers, quote, being the authors of survival. And a lot of your work has been around, obviously, working with women and children and so on. What do you, what do you mean by that, the authors of survival? Because in my life, I am in debt to my mother, hmm. to my wife, to my daughters, my success in my life. And even now I am standing, it's because of my mother, my wife, and my daughters. Hmm. And I fully believe that mothers and women, they can endure this world because they are the main agent for the change in this world. And this world is not built on men. When we were created from Adam and Eve and became nations and the tribes to know each other, it's from Adam and Eve, not two women and one man, or two men and one. It's equal to build and construct and to share to produce and reproduce. So I fully believe in the potential of girls and women in this world and to make it 
a different one. So that's why I said it, the Palestinian woman is the one who sacrifices, who gives life and nurture life. When as a student, as a child, my mother pushing me from nothing, you have to succeed, you have to challenge, you have to do it. And that's why I believe in Palestinians, women, mothers and girls, as other women, mothers and girls. It's time for women to take the lead. They don't miss anything. What hmm. is needed to give them the opportunity hmm. and to equip them with the means. And the right means are the education. I repeat it, it's education of girls and women. It's the most efficient and effective mean to make a change in our world. Because a healthy, educated girl and woman will raise healthy, educated children, husband, family, community, and nation. Education of girls and women is the light. And, and now we're back to the whole idea of being hopeful. I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. It's why I take hope. I take hope because and of then, the questions they ask, because of the things they We need they to listen do. to them. We so need to listen to I, children. I, believe me, I say to people, we don't, must not underestimate our children. <laughs> they are wise. So and even the people, I tell them, they see, they hear, and they watch what is in a closed room. You, you quoted Einstein earlier. Didn't Einstein say something about a five-year-old boy or girl understands more physics of course. at that age than I will ever know as this, this scientist? And they don't have any and they have individual no, interest. And no framework for they it. They speak from their heart. That's right. Yeah. They care and they are courageous. Yeah. So we need to encourage them and to discuss with them, to consult with them. And that's what I learned from my daughters. My daughter Bisan, at the age of 14, she said to me, when I sent to be scammed, she came back to say, I found out how similar are we mm. as Muslims, mm. Christians, mm. Jewish, Druze. Our children, they found out. And we deepen the divide. Yes. At that age, she said, to meet violence with violence doesn't solve any problem. And that's back to Einstein when he said, insanity is to repeat doing the same thing, the same way, right. and you expect different results. Right. Um, can, we'll, we'll probably have to wrap up our conversation here soon, um, conscious of your time and so on, but I want to quote Martin Luther. You, you quote him in the book, and you say, quote, our lives begin to end the day we, be, we become silent about things that matter. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends, close yes. quote. Um, I mean, clearly you're doing plenty about getting this message out there, standing on the mountaintops, and others are as well. Why don't you think more people seem to care, seem to care about this global truth uh, that Martin Luther King, I think, tapped into? I don't blame them, but it's the responsibility of others who are watching, hmm. and they know that. And hmm. because I... So, I, so if you're convicted... It's now your responsibility to, to say something to the greater this community. Because world, the, our, our enemies in That's this good. world, our enemies in this world are our ignorance. Hmm. Hmm. 
-hmm. our arrogance, greed, and fear. So the ignorance we need to communicate with each other, to promote awareness, the one who knows to tell the one who doesn't. So that's the way we need to spread that message. And the world every day is becoming smaller and smaller. And the message can spread in seconds to reach everywhere. So it's about knowledge. It's about responsibility. Everyone's responsibility. And an idea can start by one and others to follow it and not to underestimate it. But as I said, one can do everything, but each of us can do something. Right. So right. let all of us come together to spread that message, to adopt it, and not to watch it senseless. Because we don't want to have violence or silence. We want to speak out in a wise, effective means. Because silence is injustice, and violence is harmful. Even to stand neutral when we see injustice this means we are supporting of it didn't uh, the author Elie Wiesel say that um, hate is not the absence of love but it's indifference it's I don't care I'm not gonna get involved didn't he say something along those lines I didn't I don't know but I see hatred as I said it it's a result yes it's a chronic self-destructive disease, mm. which is contagious. It spreads yes. from one to the other. Yeah. And it's provoked through words, yes. hate speeches, through harm, through intimidation, through torture. So we need to stop the causes. If we want to avoid the hatred, we need to prevent. You, you've been called a, a, quote, a magical secret bridge between Israelis and Palestinians. How the heck do you start building bridges in, 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 with respect to what's going on today? Is it, is it really truly, uh, Doctor, about writing a letter? Is it about me donating to a campaign, which we're going to talk about in a second, your Heal 100 Kids campaign? Is it about It's about writing an article? It's about know? taking responsibility. And some people, they think, what can I do? I yes. say, you can do it's a so lot. It's so big. It's so you big. can do a lot. Start, number one, with your local community. Don't go outside. You need to be strong, healthy. Locally, then you go outside. Mm. We need to be strong in Canada first. In our neighborhood, the closest neighborhood, then we go outside. Start to connect and to strengthen the relationship within your family, your neighbors, and your field of work. Start to volunteer, to speak out, to write a letter, to talk, to give a touch to a child, visit mm. a patient in mm. the hospital. Mm. It's good. It's not about money. Yes, I so agree. It's about yeah. efforts. It's about time. and Goodwill. Yes. And because by the end of the day, that's what my faith taught me. In the day of judgment, we will be judged about the three things. Your knowledge, your education, what did you do with it? You kept in your mind or you shared it with others? Your time, what did you do with your time? You, you wasted it in fun. Time is precious. 
Time is a sword. If you didn't mm. cut it, it will cut you. And your money. From where did you get it? And what did you do with it? Interesting. Because we are not going to take it with us. There is a legacy we will leave behind. What's interesting to me, the thread on all of those is responsibility. Individual Individual responsibility. responsibility. Um, Dr. Abulish, can you tell me about the Heal 100 Kids campaign and what's going on? I, you, you wrote an article in the Toronto Star just a couple of days ago, which I will link to uh, on your bio. Tell me a little bit about the campaign yeah, the, and the how The Heal 100 Kids, I thought of it. I was watching what is happening and feeling and living what is happening back home in Palestine and Israel and I am determined not to accept it. I don't accept to see this violence and the killing of human beings and to see children who are crying. I see in them my daughters. Mm. I see in them as children, in particular the children and innocent civilians and I have to take responsibility because in my life I am accountable to my daughters. But don't you say in the article in the Star that some of your friends, you've been receiving emails from people there? From people there. I am in touch on daily basis with the people there. More than 3,000 hmm. children are severely wounded. We need to heal the wounds, to give hope. And Canada is branded for that as a peacemaker, as a humanitarian. And we need to give an opportunity to Canadians to be proud of themselves mm -hmm. that they are giving. And the reward for them is the happiness they will give. So I thought of bringing this 100 kids and I worked very hard. All of the pieces are in place from the support of the provincial government, Premier Kathleen Wynne, Dr. Eric Hoskins, the hospitals, the healthcare professionals, the community, the public, the political leaders, Dr. As I said, Dr. Eric Hoskins and the Liberal leader, Justin Trudeau, the NDB leader, Mr. Mulcair, the, the Green Party leader, hmm. the Ontario Federation of Labour, the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario. You've the, been busy. All of them, they came. No, I didn't. They heard about mm. it and they came to support. Wow. It's the internal motive. They believed in it. Amazing. So they came to support it and we are waiting to have the approval from the federal government to say, God bless you, move ahead with it. We are behind it. And how will you fund this? Is this going to be through Canadians like me who can donate or is this a... It's the provincial government, the resources for the hospital are ready to They're accept ready to these go. children. Wow. But we will raise money and many people are willing to support, to give money, to donate with their efforts. Some people, they said our houses are open to host these children. Wow, it's amazing. To volunteer with their time. Healthcare professionals, doctors, they said we are ready to waive our fees and we will raise some money for their transportation. Right. It's not a big deal. It's not, a, and it has been done before. It has been done before many times from Canada to other countries and okay. just- so there's precedence. Yeah, of course. And also, Turkey. Just the other day, they took one full jet of Palestinian children from Gaza wow. Wow. to treat them. So as other countries, they did it. We can do it here in we Canada. Can, we can do it if well. others didn't, 
we have to try. We have to try, yeah. So will there be a mechanism for uh, my listeners to donate to this campaign on We your, are waiting. You know, we don't want to start this donation okay. unless we have all of the pieces are there, in particular the federal government's approval, okay. because by the end of the day, we need these children to come with visas, and it's in the hands of the federal government. Right, right. But every piece is there, only one missing piece, which is the approval and the support of the federal government, the moral support, and to approve their coming here. So maybe in the meantime, uh, listeners could at least put a certain amount of pressure on their uh, their MPs. We need kindness to talk to people. Yeah, just to talk to people, spread to the word. To explain to people, to yep. spread the word. We need to use our wisdom, yep. the kind words, and this is a Canadian, a political, humanitarian initiative. All of the people who are coming to support it, whatever their backgrounds, religious, ethnic, it's coming under one flag. Hmm. It's the red maple leafy flag. Right. It's a Canadian, right. and we right. need to be proud of it. Well, that's excellent. This is great. Um, well, I uh, I can't thank you enough for your time no, today. I would uh, uh, I would like to speak with you for another two and a half hours. I I, I don't know that I'm going to find another guest as interesting as you in the near future. I know you're incredibly busy, um, and uh, thank you for your time today. It's my pleasure and hope you know all of us to come to celebrate, and to enjoy our efforts to make a difference in others' lives. And nothing is more rewarding than giving hand, giving hope to a child, because the children are the beauty of life, and they are the hope, and they are the future. I hope to see these children coming healed, cured with a smile on their face, leaving back to their home, and this will be the gift I can say to my daughters, Bisan, Mayar Aya, you are alive. You energized me to do more. And your holy souls and noble blood wasn't waste. Mm. And that's the way forward. We spent uh, our uh, interview today with Dr. Izeldin Abulesh. Uh, his book, I Shall Not Hate, has been translated into 23 languages. It's about to be a play in Israel and then going to Germany. It's going to be in Holland. It's a book that you need to read. Uh, please uh, check out his website. There'll be links to it on the on the site. Again, uh, Dr. Uh, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you.